Okay, guys, we are nearing the end of this season. Saddens me. Yes, we've gotten more episodes than normal, and the future plans are hopefully one day, um, you know, we can maybe do weekly or every other week or something, but for now, there's a lot of work that goes into these scripts. Right. So. That I do not do any of it. Nor do I. <laughs> Sherry all does all of Sherry. it. We just talk. And we have a, an audience again, Susan, best friend Susan. But let's introduce ourselves, and then our bar- bartender will tell us what we're drinking this time. Hi, I'm Elena. Mom. And I am Sherry. And this is Outline of a Murder. And by the way, Mom knows saying, I ran a half marathon sounds so much better than I quit halfway through the marathon. <laughs> That was ridiculous. <laughs> Why can't we do? Uh, can uh, next season? Can we do? Nope. Can I do daughter one? Nope. Anyway, okay. so what is this one, Elena? So this is my favorite New Year's Eve one, and it's um, uh, prosecco, champagne, brute, what have you. Um, I put uh, cranberry juice in y'all's. I like mine without pomegranate, and it has pomegranate seeds and a sprig of rosemary. Okay, here we go. Taste test. Are we supposed to eat the seeds? They're very tasty. Oh, you can if you want. Um, by your face. I'm put the bush back. Every single time you have a nose, rude, vicious comment. The bush, like you have no, I don't. The, the seeds top. are not like it. delicious. Sour, aren't they? Oh, that's terrible. I don't like the drink. I like Do the you drink. like the drink? I'm going to give it a four. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. The seeds, though, almost vomited in my mouth. But other than that, it's great. It's tart. No, it's good. I really do like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to try it with the pomegranate juice, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But take my warning. Don't eat the, don't eat the seeds. I didn't try a seed yet. All right. So this one is our second suggestion from our good friend, Peggy. So if Peggy is listening to this, oh, we want to no. give you a shout out and a thanks and cheers. She um, requested this one and then the uh, Orsi family murders that uh-huh. we did this yep. morning. And um, I like the aspect of this case where the defense claims that the killer wasn't culpable because of brain injuries from the Gulf uh, Storm. What's culpable? or the Gulf War, that he wasn't responsible for what he did because of his military service and he suffered some brain injuries, which brain injuries uh, actually can make definitely, yeah, but a difference man. for sure. And we're going to dive mm-hmm. into that. But I just wanted to say thanks to Peggy for, uh, you know, she um, followed our guidelines, which in the seasons, we only do cases that can help other peoples by breaking them down in our mini series. We always do um, just true crime because we enjoy it, which I'm thinking we might tackle some serial killers for the miniseries. Okay. I'm not sure. Maybe right. some local cases as well. Okay, so this one, this lady right here is here Tracy McBride. It's another um, Texas case. On the evening uh, of, well, let me first tell you where it takes place at. Goodfellow Air Force Base in San Angelo. 19-year-old private, so let me pull up her picture here, uh, Tracy McBride had been sent there for two weeks of training for some advanced intelligence training. 
She joined the Army to fund her college education, and in the future, she wanted to be a music teacher. Mm. I didn't know it was the same girl at first. It is. So yeah. that's her so high different. school. Yeah. And um, and she's got, it looks like she colored her hair a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like she's got dark uh-huh. hair, and she has some red tones. And then this is her as well. Uh-huh. And then this is her um, in the Army. So she, you Aww. can tell she looks like a very nice, mm-hmm. you know, sweet, positive person. She looks excited. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's definitely excited. Proud. Now, you know, my dad was in the Marines, and uh-huh. he didn't smile like that. No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to look like you're... You know, that's, I think she was excited. Like you're a machine, you know, not happy to be in the military. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so... On the day of, fe- uh, let's see, day 10 of her training, so this is February 18th, 1995, Tracy was actually talking to her friend who lived in Minnesota, because that's where she was from, on a payphone in the base laundry area. Okay, so you would expect you're on a military base, you're doing your laundry, that's the safest place you right. can be. Yeah. That's what you would expect. Now, since then, it's come out how many women yeah. are raped. And murdered, especially at Fort Hood, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Fort Hood. So in the middle of her conversation, her sh- uh, friend heard a male voice and heard Tracy's voice talking, but everything was muffled, so she wasn't sure what was going on, but it sounded like someone had put their hand over the phone. And for those younger listeners, pay phones are what old people like us used to use before cell phones you know you would put a quarter in and you would make a phone call i get very excited when i still see those of course the phones are ripped out right yeah but right. yes we saw them didn't we in london we the saw them yeah. i love the yeah. phone yeah. box and a quarter you can talk you know that yeah. was back yeah. in the day yeah and so the the hand sounded like it was over the receiver i'm not sure if the friend heard her cries and some scuffling but two male soldiers did so they come running to help Tracy, and the assailant knocked one of them unconscious using the butt of a handgun. Oh. I don't know what happened to the, uh, the other uh, soldier, uh, but somehow he was able to abduct Tracy McBride from a military base and wow. uh, disappear. So a frantic search was launched with no luck. Aren't military bases guarded at the gates? Mm-hmm. So it had to be someone inside. Now, how guarded they were back then, I don't know. Oh. Um, I mean, they had guards, yes. But, like, you know, where I live, we have a base. And it depends on the heightened level. So, our base, all we do is kill terrorists. And if there's heightened, you know, like the, mm. the um, colors that we have for when our country is at risk, uh-huh. no one gets on the base unless they're supposed to be there. Other times, you can get on if you have, like, someone that knows and they'll get you a pass and they'll tell the guardhouse that you're coming things like that you just can't walk on you cannot walk on i don't but in the past you could oh yeah so i don't i mean they would just look at your id they'd ask you what you were there for and you were on the base in fact i got in a wreck on one on the base where we lived i hit a tree (laughs) yeah okay that's (laughs) that's a story for another time but back then that's what we did we literally went to the guard station we gave our ids Told them while we were there, and they let us on. So they either did that, snuck on, or they you were... You can't sneak on. They, okay, uh, so they did that, or they're in the base already. Yeah. Now, um, the suspect... So on March 1st, 1995, so this was February, the San Angelo Police Department arrested a Lewis Jones... Let's see, Jr. So here is a picture. 
of him. I think I sort of remember this. So he has a military uniform. Yeah. That's how he got on. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And, he looks older. Uh, he w- uh, actually, they arrested him in an unrelated incident. His ex-wife, Staff Sergeant Sandra Lane, had filed a sexual assault complaint with the Air Force's Office of Special Investigations, or OSI. She alleges that on February 16th, so Tracy was taken the 18th, on February 16th, Jones kidnapped her, made her take money out of her bank account, and sexually assaulted her while she was at his house. That was his wife? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So the case is kind of familiar here. Like, right. okay, we've got this military young lady that has been taken and kidnapped. This guy kidnapped his wife. They're wondering if he had anything to do with Tracy's abduction, which was smart. The detectives were on top of their game. Because you hear of where they arrest someone, they're all, er, what? And they don't even connect them to the murders when they actually have them there for something very, very similar. So after he was so. He did that to his wife, and then he was still in the military? No, no. this was just two days. This was oh, two, two days, days later. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. or two days before. Oh, okay. So two days before, he did that to his wife, and they have the report, and then Tracy disappears, and obviously they feel she's kidnapped, and they're thinking, could this guy have done that to Tracy like he did to his wife? Like, Because they don't know where Tracy is yet. They're just thinking, hey, we had this complaint against this guy could he be connected to Tracy because his wife worked at the base? Oh, so mm-hmm. they got him and talked to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he confessed to killing her, oh. and then he led authorities to her body. So here's what he did. Jones took Tracy to his house, just like he did his wife, raped her, held her in a closet. He then forced her to use hydrogen peroxide on herself, <gasps> wash her clothes. Oh. Yep walk on towels to try to conceal the crime by hiding any fibers or ruining any other possible evidence her body might have picked up. He then drove Tracy to a remote area. He beat her to death with a tire iron off of, uh, under a bridge off Texas State Highway 277 in Coke County, Texas. Investigators believe that she had been hit nine times. The medical examiner stated that the trauma to her head was worse than most high-impact car wrecks. Oh, boy. Can you imagine? I mean, she probably knew what he was doing, meet at the house, making her clean herself and stuff. Oh, yeah. She knew she was dead. I mean, there's no other reason because if if he let her go, first of all, taking her to the house, Mm -hmm. he's going to kill her. Yeah, yeah. Second, those signs, you would have had to have known that he's going to kill you because he's already raped you. You're at his house. There's no other reason for any of that. Well, and maybe with the peroxide and washing her clothes, I could think maybe he'll let me go. Yeah. But then when you get to towels on the floor, yeah, uh, yeah, you're gonna gonna die. And he's smiling a bit. Look at it. Yeah. Now he um, looks old. Yeah, he does look older. He was older. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely older than her. Uh, They believe that he forced her to walk to her own death because only mud was found on her boots. There were no Mm. scuff marks. He didn't drag her or anything like that. So she walks to her death. Her U.S. Army battle uniform was in excellent condition. Her underclothes were removed, so I'm sure he didn't want there to be any any evidence. 
and there wasn't any evidence of rape on her clothes. And he initially denied raping her, but then, you know, later they realized that she was. Uh, the cool evenings and where her body was found preserved her really, really well. And so that's when they were able to confirm their suspicions that she had been raped. Oh. And I remember hearing about this case. Uh, and basically, he was mad at his wife, and he couldn't find her. Right. And so he grabbed Just this, this girl. Just killed someone else, some yeah. innocent. Mm. And, and this one, like, you know, there's a few things we'll examine. But really, this is almost like our last episodes that we do of the serial killer, like Israel Keys, the first year, um, BTK last year. This is really a case where there's nothing that you could do. Mm-mm. I mean, again, you would think with your training, you're the safest place you could be is on a base talking to your friend on a phone with other male soldiers around you, it would never, ever, ever enter your mind that some guy is going to snatch you up off a base and take you somewhere and kill you. Like, that no. would never enter your head. So it's He doesn't really even look thing. big enough to overpower two other... Well, Ted Bundy no, was too. awfully small, and he was oh, wiry. Oh, yeah, he did. And he was yeah. really, really strong. Did he overpower any men? Yeah, he knocked one out. This is her in her military, Mm -hmm. Um, so that's... And then this is her with her sister and brother, so it looks like she was the oldest. Mm Mm-hmm. All the same smiles, Yeah, they all have the same smiles. Cute. And then this is um, her uh, dad, just absolutely devastated. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the poop bird that did it. Investigators began looking into Jones, and they found a man with no criminal history whatsoever. None at all? Uh Uh-uh. He was in the Army for 22 years, and he excelled in the Army. He was also an Army Ranger, and he participated in the invasion of Grenada Grenada, and the Gulf War in 1991. He was the leader of a platoon in Grenada and received a commendation medal for his military actions on the ground in Iraq. He retired as a master sergeant in 1993 and was honorably discharged from the Rangers. When he um, did the crime, he also worked on the base as a bus driver. That base? Okay. Did he have anything they find in his past? No. There was nothing. No, that's what I just said. There was no violence, no arrests, no odd behavior, nothing. nothing. Mm -mm. Did he say why he did it? I, I don't remember. Besides his wife? Um, well, we'll probably get to that. But uh, the only thing, so when they went to trial, okay, he was born March 4th, 1950, in Shelby County, Tennessee, but he grew up in Chicago. The only precursor I could find to possible violence is that he was sexually and physically abused as a child. But wouldn't it show up earlier than when... I don't know. There's not a lot on this case. Could have got triggered. Don't know. Um, but his personal life, life did start showing some cracks. Uh, but nothing suggested that he would get violent with his wife or that he would kill somebody. He had been married three times. He had a daughter. He raised her as a single parent. The only warning sign came from his previous wife, Sandra, the one that he kidnapped and raped. She said that she had noted changes in his behavior after he came back from Iraq. And she testified that when he kidnapped her in his apartment two days prior to murdering Tracy, he seemed, quote, very crazed and spinning out of control, bouncing from thought to thought. 
So when did he come home from Iraq, and when did this occur? Well, Iraq was 91, right? Gulf War. It was 91. I mean, it only lasted a little bit, and then later we went in for 15, 20 years. But when that happened under the first Bush, it didn't last long. No. In between that time. What year was this again? The, the, um... Let me see. Uh, so this is 1995, and he's been retired. Okay. A couple uh, years. A couple years. Okay. So what do y'all think so far about a possible change in, you know, personality? It would have to be immediate if the war was to blame. Yeah. Which not she a did gradual. say that. Okay. Yeah, she said that he had started changing. He did, not that he was completely changed, but that he was different when he came back from Iraq. And she's in military, so maybe she just thought, you know, understood that there were going to be some changes when you first get back from yeah. a, a war. And, and didn't think that it was going to be yeah, worse maybe, and worse. Yeah, I mean, get out of it. Literally, this is a man that lived an exemplary life. He served his country for 22 years. He raised his daughter as a single parent. And yeah, he'd been married, you know, three times, but so had dad. What are you looking at me for? You know, so we all know people who have been married multiple times, yes. right? I get that same look when people find out how many times I've been married. So I, I can give some credence to he might have had a brain injury that greatly diminished his ability to control his anger. Is someone literally mowing the yard while we're doing our podcast? I think it's Stephen. He was itching to mow. No, it's all right. You know, people, hey... We're doing this in best friend's little apartment back here, and people decide to mow the yard, and we're just going to well, go with both it. both of the neighbors were. Yeah. Okay. So, he was tried in a federal court in Lubbock, Texas, because the crime was on a military base. The location for the trial from San Angelo to Lubbock was because of the media coverage, and they were ticked that he killed this young soldier. He was charged with kidnapping with special maritime territorial jurisdiction resulting in death. Uh, And so basically that's what got it to where it was capital. Uh, Aggravating circumstances is what we would call it. But he's tried as a soldier. You know, he's retired and all that. I'm sure, you know, there are other crimes they added to it. But U.S. Attorney Tanya K. Pierce was a prosecutor and she won the death penalty with the blessing of his family. Trial began October 16th, or her family. I was like, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Trial uh, started October 16th, 1995, with a 12-member jury of nine females and three males. Oh. Yep. Mm-mm. The defense tried to prove that Jones committed the crime due to trauma he received from his military service, specifically Gulf War Syndrome, and they were going to dive all into that. But they had doctors? Mm-hmm. And supposedly that? they had evidence that they showed the jury that he had brain damage, but the jury didn't buy it. Uh, well, he yeah, was convicted that was way back then. Yeah. October 23rd, after 65 minutes of deliberation. Whoa. Oh, boy. And now is the time to decide if he should die.
Okay, so I'm not sure if it's a back then statement, which I can see what you mean because they didn't have a lot of data yet for right. some of the things that happened. But I also think the brutality of him bashing her head into the point where it was worse than car wrecks and them seeing the crime scene photos and then he raped her the and pattern. tortured her and made her watch her death. I think that they were probably like, yeah, we don't care. Obviously, yeah, yeah, we don't care. You're a problem, and if you can't control your anger, you probably need to be put to death too. Yeah, right. right. I see that. I don't How care. Many, what was the jury again? Nine females. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. the prosecution alleged four statutory aggravating circumstances and three non-statutory that supported the death penalty. And so I'm meaning that that's in the law books, and they have to have specific reasons to ask for it. Uh, the violence of the crime was one. The past kidnapping and rape of the ex-wife. Uh, they had to show that this guy was dangerous. And that's in the last one with Grant Amato. The reason they didn't give him the death penalty is because the doctor said he would be a compliant prisoner. Right. The mm-hmm. death penalty will come in if they know they're going to be troubled the whole time. Or if there's any like potential they can get out and kill again. Or you uh, kill police officers yep, in Texas. Guards and things uh-huh, like that. Uh-huh. And of course police officers. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the jury deliberated for 6.5 hours and agreed with two statutory aggravating circumstances. Jones killed McBride during the commission of another crime, which was kidnapping, mm-hmm. and the murder involved torture or serious physical abuse to her, and that was the rape. Mm-hmm. They rejected the other two circumstances, um, ex- even the one that said he'd be further da- danger. They didn't feel he would be. <laughs> didn't feel he would be? Mm-mm. Oh, because they, they were dismissing a, the brain damage. They I were dismissing had, that. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. He had brain damage. Although he, you know, did try to do this to his wa- wife as well. So the defense tried to present 11 mitigating circumstances in an attempt to save his life. Some agreed with them. They said that he had no prior criminal record. So six jurors said that, yeah, we agree with that. His ability to appreciate the wrongfulness of his actions were significantly impaired. Only two agreed with that. <laughs> he committed the murder under severe mental and emotional disturbance. Only one agreed. Wow. He suffered physical, sexual, and emotional abuse as a child. Only four agreed. His military service, only eight supported that. But that's almost you know all of them. Yeah. He wouldn't be a problematic inmate. Only three agreed with that. Mm-hmm. That he was remorseful. Only four. His daughter got nine. Agreed. He was under a great deal of duress and stress at the time of the murder. Only three bought that. He suffered from numerous neurological or psychological disorders. Only one agreed with that. And other factors in his background or character mitigated against a verdict of death, and there was zero. So here's what what that tells me. They did not believe the defense's position that he did this because he had a brain injury. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So whoever put on that case either sucked at it or it just wasn't enough to really say and only that i would as a juror be like okay yeah i can see how war would change you but other people get traumatic brain injuries and they don't kidnap a young girl and rape her and beat her head in so i'm sorry i can't really see how Mm -hmm. that would be Mm -hmm. a reason not to put you to death so they agreed with some things but he was sentenced to death he began his sentence june 11th 1996 in huntsville texas Oh. On July 13, 1999, he was moved into federal custody in Terre Haute. His lawyer continued to argue on behalf that he should be spared the death penalty due to nerve gas damage from Iraq. So what is it? Is it nerve yeah. gas damage? Is it a head injury? Y'all are just throwing spaghetti up against yep. the wall and hoping it sticks. Yep. 
He also contacted a Dr. Robert Haley, who's one of the first to publish studies related to Gulf War syndrome to study his medical records. He agreed that he sustained brain damage and that was responsible for the personality changes that contribute significantly to the tragic events of his crime. Even Senator Kay Bailey Hutchison wanted a brain scan to check for any damage before his execution. Oh. Ross Perot called for a communication or commutation, com- commutation to life. All of the pills failed. His only chance was an appeal for clemency from George W. Bush. He didn't get it, and he was executed March 18th. 2003. So, so uh, was the brain scan, was it done? I don't know. Okay. I just know she requested. I'm figuring if the governor wants a brain scan, she probably gets it. I'm just it. curious. Yeah. yeah. But I really it wasn't it. enough or he would have not. Yeah, would, true. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't enough. On March tw- uh, 18th, 2003, as he laid strapped down to the executioner's gurney mm. in Terre Haute, uh, Indiana, Jones spent his last minutes on earth reciting scripture and singing an old religious hymn according to the Standard Times archives. Jones offered no verbal apology to the McBride family, but instead looked toward the witness room at his family and mouthed the words, I love you. Asked if he had a last statement, Jones says, Although the Lord hath chastened me sore, he hath not given me over unto death, from Psalms 118. Jones then broke out into song, singing the religious hymn, Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross, according to his attorney, Tim Floyd. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river, as smiling Jones sang. He broke briefly to twice recite, Thank you, Jesus, as a lethal cocktail of drugs began to take hold ultimately reducing his song to a whisper and then to a silence. He died at the age of 23. 23? I mean, 53. I was like, I say he doesn't look 23. I've been talking for over four hours. I know. That's okay. Bye, G. (laughs) So what do y'all think about that, singing hymns and stuff? I hope he repented. I do, too. And I'm wondering if he did. Yeah. I'm usually a skeptical. Right. Because there's a jailhouse but Jesus a, and then there's a normal Jesus, yeah. you know? Or maybe he was always like that. And he until, fell away. And, yeah, and fell away. Or he had a little bit of brain damage. and Because mm-hmm. the war does a lot to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hope he did. And it sounds like he had faith. And it yeah. sounds like it was very comforting for him. Uh, I still think he needed to be put to death. I'm Absolutely. glad that he's gone. Absolutely. But uh, I do hope that he's with Jesus. He's with Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So real fast, I was trying. So I had to look up the Gulf War syndrome because in '91 I was uh, I had just graduated, and all of that went down that summer. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out if there was any violence associated with Gulf War victims because I hadn't heard of that. Now I've heard of. Uh, PTSD, yeah. you know, and when they come back for from combat, but I I didn't ever hear that Gulf War caused any violence. So, according to Military.com, Gulf War syndrome is a cluster of medically unexplained chronic symptoms that include fatigue, headaches, joint pain, indigestion, insomnia, dizziness, respiratory disorders, and mem- memory problems. The VA refers to these illnesses as chronic multi-symptom illness and undiagnosed illness. It was first reported by Gulf War vets, and I remember when that started coming out out on the news. You know, people were starting to talk about it. You don't think that would cause anyone to kill? I mean, is that what you said? 
No, I hadn't heard of any violence associated with it. And when you look oh. at the symptoms, it's They're fatigue physical. and headaches and yeah, stuff. Physical. But now they find it is possible. Well, that's what when I'm you talking have it. about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they do. But I mean, my like, notes. look at the, what that guy in Stephenville. But that wasn't he had Gulf War syndrome. That was PTSD. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're two totally separate things. Okay. Yeah. Um, the article says that the symptoms must exist for six months or more and have to be related to the Gulf War only. After conducting a review of the scientific and medical evidence, there's some rare cancers, lung cancers that no. have formed, uh, chronic f- uh, fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, gastrointestinal mm. disorders, and undiagnosed illnesses like abnormal weight loss, fatigue, cardiovascular disease, muscle and joint pain, headaches, menstrual disorders, and neurological and psychological problems. Those are also common with uh, trauma. Right. Mm. And then, of course, they have, like, sleep disturbances and things. So what they believe is that these vets were exposed to chemical and microbiological agents as well as the psychological factors of being in war. Um, Operation Desert Storm, though, only lasted 100 hours from February 21st to the 29th. But by January of 92, reports was of those unexplained and unusual illnesses were coming forth. And I remember the VA was denying that anything was right. going on. Isn't that when, when was, um, that wasn't Agent Orange? No, that was, that was Vietnam. Vietnam. That was Vietnam. Mm. Yeah, they had to um, test Dad, make sure, oh, they to did? see if he was exposed. Dusty's uh-huh. dad died of that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the Mayo Clinic cited an Iowa person golf state uh, group that found sig- significantly increased rate increased rates of asthma and psychiatric illnesses with those soldiers, depression, PTSD, alcohol abuse, anxiety, and sexual discomfort, and poorly defined medical conditions. However, the studies are limited because of how they selected the soldiers. So how do we know that? They wouldn't have had those problems outside of the Gulf War. Right. A lot of the right. population already has yes. every bit of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they didn't even leave the country. Oh, that's funny. Best friends contributing to the podcast <laughs> without a microphone. No, no, you're good. You're good. So not that only is that, true. But a lot of them I mean, had it. People bef- with fibromyalgia, PTSD doesn't always come from war. Right. It's right. just a traumatic experience uh-huh. anyway. And you can have, like, uh, Vietnam vets had that problem. Right. I mean, so the fact that they didn't get other vets from other wars to compare with their studies, I don't like. Um, I don't believe uh, that this man suffered the way he was saying, mm-hmm. and that's why he killed that girl. Um, but uh, they did find in a British study that vets from the Bosnia campaign, which happened in 94 95, suffered from similar symptoms. Well, what, was there the same biological and chemical warfare over there then? Uh-huh. So more research has been done, and they do find like their attention, their executive functioning, like making decisions, their memory, their motor functioning has um, been affected. Some studies did see mood changes, but they don't know if they were there before the Gulf War. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, they really just can't tell. Um, they also did MRI scans of 40 vets to see if anything was going on. And they did show less gray matter and then hypocampal volume on brain image, imaging. But these are related to learning and memory. 
oh. not violence. And did they do the stand before they went to war versus when right. they came back? Right. They have nothing to compare it with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just don't know. Um, and I don't think that they can really tell us. Now, five studies did see an increase, again, of the depression, PTSD, and anger. But that's, you know, again, been a lot of events. Right, right. So the conclusion is that these are mixed results, especially concerning the debate of mood-related issues. They know it exists, but I don't think it had anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. So not, my, him, not him at all, I don't think, either. No, no, no. So I'll give you my thoughts, and I want you guys to tell me yours, and I'm going to give a couple tips, because we got some stretching to go do. Right. Um, I think, <laughs> not me. <laughs> I think Jones was an angry, rage-filled mm-hmm. man uh, who raped his ex-wife out of vengeance. And then he took out the rest of his rage on Tracy McBride. Uh, Just like any killer will never know the trigger. And I don't even like that term trigger because it's implying that a trigger was needed for them to kill. Mm -hmm. You know, like we talked about that. Some just like doing it. Some have made up their mind they're going to do it. And there's no trigger. They're actually trying to find a victim. You know, so I don't really like that term. But anyway, um, I do feel that he prevented evidence from being found on her, that he got rid of the gun, that he used to abduct her. All of that is premeditation and covering up, and he knew exactly what he was doing. He also said later that he attacked her because she looked like his ex-wife. Wow. So I think he wanted to kill his ex-wife, but when he got there, he saw her, and she was a better opportunity. I think that too, but it's just sort of confusing. After all those years, he raised his daughter, all that, and then just... Mm-hmm. Exploded like Became that. a monster. So, yeah. If he did have, though, the history of sexual abuse and physical abuse as a child, <laughs> the rage could have been simmering the whole time. Yeah. But someone would have known, Because right? he's, what, two years? I don't know. But he's, like, two years post-retirement. Retirement can be very traumatic for people. Yeah. And so he retires, and then could the military life... Yep. have kept him in check and it was very good for him to be you know in that uh-huh. strict structure ordered and structured that environment. could be too okay so here's why i want to end with this is one of those cases where tracy was at the wrong place at the wrong time and there might not have been anything that she could have done you know to save her life but i was really thinking about this because you know i went back to all the things my dad taught me and i was thinking about other cases And I just want to give these tips. Now, whether it would help someone, I don't know. But Tracy was on the phone. Mm -hmm. The minute someone grabs you, don't scream. Yell out the description of the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. Give what their ethnicity is, what their hair color is, their height, their weight, what they're wearing. Whatever you can get out and where you're at. So get all of that out as fast as possible. And you may even practice or see yourself in that scenario and then you're saying out loud what you're going to do because you can actually trick the brain yep. to think that you're in that situation so that when you're in it, you don't freeze or you don't just start screaming. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what to do. So it's kind of like we discussed when we were in Alabama and my dad had always told me, if anyone ever takes you, Linlin, you always say, you are not my parent. He said, don't scream because they're going to think you're a kid that's being a turd. So sure enough, he also told me, if we're at a truck stop and anybody tries to take you, every trucker in that place will stop stop oh, what yeah. they're doing and they will protect you. 
And uh, I said, okay. And so sure enough, I'm in a truck stop in Alabama and a guy comes in there and he makes a beeline for me. And he says, you want to go to California with me? And I said real loud, no, I don't want to go to California with you because you're not my parent. And I said real loud. I was like 16 or 17. And it, it, it exactly like you said, every truck driver set their thermos down, set their coffee down, <laughs> and they started walking toward that guy. And he saw it and he took off running. So because he drilled it in my head from the time I was little, mm -hmm. it happened. So that's why I say practice. Um, also, uh, she, you know, again, she's on a payphone. I don't know, like, was she, was her back to her surroundings? Mm -hmm. Don't ever do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but sometimes I have been driving and people have been on their phone and just walk right in front of me and don't look. Because you're not paying attention well, whether yeah. her back's to him or not. But this was a payphone. So yeah. back to this situation, I don't know how her back was, but if you're on a cell phone, if you're, I don't care where you are, mm -hmm. especially if you're a female and it's at night, you don't want your back to what's going on no. around you. Get so you off the phone. you always want to be aware and don't mm -hmm. have your head in your phone as you're walking. Yeah, right. right. A lot of people have died that way. Um, but research has also shown that predators look for victims that are nice, unaware, mm -hmm. and walk and look like a victim. So communicating very clearly that you're aware of your surroundings can save your life, which yep. we've, I've right. had that happen before. Mm -hmm. And the final thing is, if you know, like you're, it's, you're, it's already too late, you're taken, get DNA. Yeah. Scratch, get as much under your fingernails as possible. They don't need much now. And many victims have played a role in uh, even from their grave in yeah. catching their killer. Yeah. So get your plan, rehearse it, um, practice it, drill it in your head. That way, if anything, God forbid, ever happens, you'll know what to do. Maybe you'll save your life. Yeah. Right. That's All good right. advice. Okay. Oh. Now, saying, I'm ready. Be smart. Be rude. And don't be a victim. Good job. You only paused for a second there. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? <laughs> <laughs>